0: So many of us have heard in our lives that our life's experience uh, the memories that we have the impact that we make is in many cases determined by the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves and go deep and take the time to answer so here's the thing entrepreneurs leaders salespeople we all want to create consistent repeatable and scalable ways to grow our business and our income and we want to do it better faster and more seamlessly why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations and spend the quality time that we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question and this show is dedicated to the answer. Your whole life, everything you do and achieve is in direct correlation to the quality And basically, the type of question that you ask yourself, and the deeper the question, the more interesting the question, the better the question, the better the answers, the better the clarity you have to move forward powerfully in your life. Now, you might be asking, why am I bringing this up? Uh, My team and I were just chatting the other day, and we were reflecting on how I feel I got here. And I don't know if you know this, but you know, growing up in the environment that I grew up in, uh, surrounded by sales and marketing and phone calls and you know motivation and all this stuff, um, I got wrapped up early on in. I don't want to call it being showy, but just you know trying to keep up with the Joneses, always trying to you know get to the next level and make more money and you know get the house and get the car and and you know it was all good, uh, you know no complaints, no regrets. But I remember sitting there around early January, 2003. And if you can remember that time, you know, the market was just bananas, you know, internet boom and bust, real estate economy was just flying. Everything was moving so quickly. And at that time I was running a family business and you know, the the family business was wildly successful and everybody was doing really well. But I would wake up certain days of the week, just thinking to myself, like, is this all there is? Have you ever asked yourself that question before like you close a big deal and you're like is this all there is or you know you you find yourself you know quote unquote successful but maybe not feeling satisfied maybe not feeling like like the work you're doing is really impactful or or you know at the end of the day like that you're in alignment with what you really value that Maybe it just became about making money and doing deals and you were just in that rat race and that, you know, in that little hamster wheel running and running and running and running and running. And at that time in my life, if you can imagine, I had, you know, two young kids and I was, had been married for, you know, uh, quite some time. And so the money thing, not that I was so wealthy that I could never work, but I'd figured out, you know, solving up problems and you're going to make money. But I remember waking up repeatedly just thinking to myself, is this it? And, and unfortunately that thought, that question, remember the quality of the questions that you ask yourself, you keep asking yourself things like, is this it? And after a while, the answer is no. And, and I found myself saying, well, what else is there? And who could I turn to that could help me? Now, I've been very blessed, as I mentioned to you, to have a lot of incredible mentors, uh coaches, advisors, friends, people with wisdom in all walks of life and experience, and you know personally and professionally that you know have have always been very kind to answer my questions and to help help me move forward. So I remember at that time, I knew I needed to hire someone that had had really done something extraordinary. I'm sure like you listening to this right now, like you know like if you're listening to this right now, you know you have something super extraordinary in you. And like me, you're just trying to tap into it. What is it? How do I get it? How do I get it out? How do I, how do I have like an insanely great life full of joy, happiness, impact, like really creating a legacy. So I reached out to a guy named Mike Vance and boy, I tell you, when I think of Mike, the impact this man made on my life was so extraordinary. If you, if you don't know the name, you should absolutely Google it. Mike Vance, V-A-N-C-E high level, just high level, uh, went to the Korean war, uh, was a, was a minister first. And, you know, off into the Korean war came back out, was a minister again, uh, you know, in Ohio and found himself, uh, basically doing television and, you know, some early radio stuff. And it was pretty interesting, you know, people got a kick out of it. And he did a thing and I want to, I'm going to probably totally screw this up. It was like, you know, Men at the top, I think was the name of the show. And I know that sounds horribly sexist in a 2019 environment, but you know, that was like the show they were interviewing, not unlike, you know, think and grow rich, you know, when, uh, Napoleon Hill was interviewing the 500 most successful entrepreneur business people at the time. Right. So Mike was doing the same thing and a young guy, you know, pretty enthusiastic, caught wind of it, heard that he was going to be in town, sort of talking about what he had learned from all these amazing people. And he walked up to him at the end of his seminar and, you know, Mike was up on stage doing his thing, kind of, you know, just synthesizing and codifying what he had learned from all these remarkable people. And, you know, with his background and creativity and the military and everything else, this quiet little gray suited guy named Walt Disney walked up and said, Hey, I'd like you to come work for me. And Mike was busy with all, all kinds of ventures, but he said there was just something about Walt Disney. He said, it was just so special. And he said, well, what would you have me do? And he said, I don't know. And he said, why don't you just join me and we'll figure it out. Like a typical sort of Walt Disney-esque story. Well, the long, long story short, he ended up joining Walt and spent uh, a little about eight and a half, nine years there. Uh, launched Orlando as we know it. Was the first dean of the Disney University and for the longest time had the title of uh, Ideas and People Development. So I'd like you to imagine, you know, being in Burbank with Walt Disney and his creative team and your job is basically to just come up with ideas and help make people extraordinary. You know, Mike was in seventh heaven, right? He was being exposed to, you know, the Salvador Dalis of the world and, you know, these extraordinary, you know, artists and influencers and business people. They, you know, they created, as I mentioned, uh, Disney U. And later on, you saw things like Hamburger U and then Jack Welch's University and so many others that followed that same train. He was such a pioneer And, you know, having the sort of influence of someone like Walt Disney, who kept pushing the envelope to say, do more, be more creative, think outside of the box, right? Let's help more people. Um, This man was extraordinary. And when I reflect on my time with him, I think a lot about, uh, he would tell me about his time when he was mentoring a young guy named Steve Jobs. And interestingly enough, that story, very similar to how uh, he was recruited to go to work for Disney. He was doing an event in Santa Monica after he worked for Disney and he was, you know, writing books and sort of talking about this Disney experience of how they did what they did. How do you create the, you know, the creative juices flowing, but also build like a world class business and serve and surprise and delight clients and create revenue and profits and everything else. And he said, I was doing this talk and I'm in Santa Monica and I'm doing my thing and it ends and I get a nice little round of applause. And this young guy walks up to me and he says, you know, hi, my name is Mike Markala and if you know that name, if you're a Silicon Valley fan or a fan of Apple, you know that he was the first guy to stroke a check for about $250,000 into uh, what we know as Apple today. Boy, think about that investment. And he said, look, I've got these young guys up in Silicon Valley. They're in a garage. They're building these personal computers. And I think if they had a little of your influence and your insight, boy, these guys could really do something great. And you know, Mike being who he was said, let's do it. And he spent a week with them and basically taught them how Disney did it, right? The sort of Disney strategy to building a company and people development, product development, idea exchange, et cetera. And throughout his career, I can go on for days. I think you get the essence. This guy was an extraordinary human being. Uh, He worked closely with a young guy named Jack Welch, who we know came on or later was known as arguably one of the greatest CEOs of all time, right? Uh, Ran GE, turned it into just the monster conglomerate that it was. And You know, some people would think of Neutron Jack, which was sort of the early days. You'll either be number one, number two in your world or will terminate you. Or you think about Jack Welch, who has really spent the last 10 years really giving back to as many people as he could to help them run better businesses, to become, you know, a better executive, a better manager. Um, But, you know, this was a typical day for Mike Vance was to talk to Steve, then talk to Jack. And then as he would say to me, he said, then i talked to like Mother Teresa. We'd have these just fascinating conversations. He has a whole, whole thing about nuns. There was just something about nuns and uh, you know, the church that he just loved to engage with and be silly and fun and creative. I guess this guy just saw the world differently. So if you can imagine, here I am asking myself over and over again, is this it? Like, is this all it is? Have I, have I worked this hard? Have I trained this hard? Have I made these hundreds of thousands of calls? Have I, you know, collected these shekels and bought a couple houses? Like, is this it? Like, is this all there is? Is this what success really feels like? Is this all there is? And I reached out to a mentor, to a coach, and I called him. and I said, Mike, I know, um, I know you don't actually coach even though, you know, a lot of people referred to you in that vein. I said, you're more of a a consultant and you've got your agency and, you know, you've got all the creative thinking association of America and all these other businesses you're involved in. I said, but I really just need time. I said, I'm really stuck. I'm at that crossroads in life where either I'm going to go left or right, or I could be stuck here. And that just doesn't sound like a good option. And he said, look, I don't really coach people the way you talk about it. I said, but you know, if there was a fee, like what could it be? And you know, that was probably the wrong question to ask. He's like, how about like $4,000 an hour? And I was like, oh, you know, 2003. I'm like $4,000 an hour. Like, you know, can I get 15 minutes? Um, But I knew I needed time with this guy. I needed his wisdom. I needed his longevity on the planet. I needed his different points of view and different questions. So I said, okay, I'll take it. Matter of fact can I have a couple hours with you? And he said, look, just fly to Miami. We'll spend some time together and whatever happens, happens. And I remember just thinking to myself, okay, I'm in. So, you know, I'm just like you, I'm running, I'm gunning, I'm doing seminars all over the place. I'm busy, you know, raising my kids and, you know, talking to my wife and okay, I'm hiring this guy and I'm going to go to Miami. She's like, why are you going there? And I'm like, I'm just trying to figure this whole thing out. Like, figure what's the next five, 10, 20 years going to look like? And, you know, cause if it's just going to be more of the same, I'm not sure if this is really what I want to do. And, you know, being a lovely, uh, a loving wife, she was like, baby, like, go figure it out, right? Because I need you to have certainty, right? You having too much uncertainty makes the family uncertain. And that's not a good thing for any one of us. So go figure it out. Uh, Love my wife. So, you know, I get on the airplane and I remember just opening up my journal and and I'm dating myself like leather bound journal. And the first question I wrote down was, Mike, you've spent all this time with Walt Disney, Mother Teresa, Jack Welch, Steve Jobs. I mean, heck, you invented the salad bar. Like, you know, you're so creative. You've done so many things. I asked this question, I'm like, what do all those people have in common? And if you can imagine, I had, you know, like 20 more questions beyond that. You know, what do you think is the future of this? And what do you think is going to happen here? And, you know, where would you, you know, maybe plant a flag in the ground? All the the searching questions that you can imagine – at a time in, you know, someone's life when you're at a crossroads. And by the way, you could be at a crossroads at 20, 30, 50, 80, 90. Like, you know, we all experience this this time in our life where we've been going and going and going and going and then you just stop and you breathe and you say, is this it, right? Is this it? So I get to Miami and in typical Mike style, like there's Cuban coffee, which if you have never had Cuban coffee, you should have Cuban coffee. I, I would describe it as... Uh, I don't know, take regular coffee and put it on steroids, right? Like, you know, it's very, it's high octane fuel basically. And, and wine. So we've got Cuban coffee and wine and it's like, you know, nine 30, 10 in the morning. And I'm like, okay. And he said, this is my creative process. Have a sip of wine, you know, do a little Cuban coffee with me. And like, let's hear it. Like, what are you thinking about? And I said, Mike, I just, you know, first of all, thank you so much. I honor you so much and the work you've done and the impact you've had with so many people. And, you know, a lot of people have written about this guy and just who he is on the planet is just extraordinary. And I said, would you just take the time to answer to the best of your ability, all these questions? And he's like, yeah, sure. What's, you know, what's the first question? And I said, again, like, you know, reiterating, like, you you know, you have spent time with Mother Teresa, Steve Jobs, Jack Welch, Walt Disney, like all these extraordinary human beings. What do they all have in common? What do all these extraordinary people have in common? And I thought, what a great, you know, sort of launching pad into all the other things I wanted to get into. Well, consider this. Mike is 6'4", big, puffy, curly hair, so kind of look like he's 6'6", talks very fast, is, uh, you know, huge vocabulary, super fun to be around, very energetic. And he said, Tom, it's really simple. He said, they've all answered the five fundamental questions and they live by him. What's your next question? I said, come again. He said, they've all answered the five fundamental questions and they live by him. And he laughed and he said, what's your next question? Well, of course you can imagine immediately. I was like, well, (laughs) flip, flip, flip in the journal. What are the five questions? And he said, I'm so glad you asked. He said, Tom, these are the kind of questions that basically one of two things are going to happen. He said, you could just as easily end up in India, searching for a meditation guru, smoking weed for the rest of your life because these questions are so deep, so so profound, and yet so simple. They're going to put you on whatever is your natural path, right, the natural path, your natural DNA. And I said, okay. And he kind of had me a little nervous, like I don't want to go to India, nothing against India, but like you know, married and kids and life. And I'm like, what does that mean? And he said, I said, well, what's the alternative? He says, the alternative is you once and for all decide who you are, how you want your life to be. You create a framework for how you make decisions and how you govern your life. And you find more joy and more happiness, not in the future, but right now in the process. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Like, Give me the five questions. He said, listen, these are simple questions. But the answers, he said, you're probably not going to get it immediately. He said, we'll, we'll talk about it today. He said, but I just want to, I want to forewarn you. Like you might end up spending 18 months to two years answering these questions. Now, of course, I don't know if that time he was like baiting me on or trying to, you know, hook me into the significance of it. But I remember just thinking to myself, okay, I'm willing, like I'm, I'm a willing student. I will take the next 18 months. I will take the next two years. I will do whatever it takes because I don't want this feeling. I don't want this feeling of I've worked and worked and worked and worked and I've succeeded and succeeded and succeeded, but I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't happy. I wasn't grateful, right? It, like a new suit or a new car or a new house or another trip wasn't giving me the joy, the juice, the, the emotional charge, right? It was just another thing. So I said, okay, tell me, what are the questions? He said, Tom, question number one, they've all answered is, They deeply understand their purpose and why they're here. So the question is, what's your purpose? Why are you here? What's your purpose? Why are you here? Now, I'm going to reflect and go a little side note. About a year before this, I was running a mastermind group and I brought in a guy named Deepak Chopra. And if you know that name, uh, whether you've seen him on TV or the radio, if you read one of his countless books... Um, you know, he was really at the heyday of his career. He, Wayne Dyer, uh, Stuart wilde kind of what I refer to as sort of my holy spiritual trifecta of thinking. Um, all three of those men had tremendous impacts on my life. Um, I had hired Deepak to do an event with about 90, you know, insanely successful uh, real estate rock stars. And one of the exercises that he had us do, now if you know Deepak, he's very very spiritual Um, you know, but, but also a scientist. So, you know, kind of, you know, kind of right brain, left brain, if you will, both sides of the heart and head, he said, partner up with somebody. And what I want you to do is just whisper in their ear, why are you on this planet? What's your purpose? Why are you here? And just have them answer. And when your partner answers, ask the question again and then ask it again and again and again and again. So if you can imagine just in this this fascinating, you know, 20-minute exercise, myself and all these others, you know, very um, progressive thinking, out-of-the-box, crazy entrepreneurial rock star, real estate sales professionals, all maybe searching for the similar things that I was searching for, took the time to answer these questions. What's your purpose? Why are you here? If I was sitting with you right now, I would literally ask you the question, I'd whisper it in your ear, and I would just keep saying to you, what's your purpose? Why are you here? And the first time you might say, I'm a mother, I'm a spouse, I'm a salesperson, I'm a child of God, Uh, I'm here to have an impact, I'm here to make a difference, right? You would just, you would just be answering all these sort of, I don't know, I, I would say, dare I say, natural answers to that question, but it's, it's in going deep and taking the time to keep saying, but why are you really here? Like, what do you really want from this life? Like, why are you on this planet? And I'm telling you, my friends, this is so important because we live in a distraction environment. We live in an environment where you're, you're literally turning on and maybe tuning out to, you know, four to 6,000 sales messages a day. People trying to grab your attention in the car, on your iPhone, right? I mean, just, it's a noisy, noisy world today. And you've got a lot of outside factors and people trying to influence you from politics and religion and family and friends and coworkers and maybe your boss and your loved one that are all trying to get you to, you know, operationalize around something. The reason why he kept saying to me, this was so important is he said, Tom, there's basically two kinds of people on this planet. There's people that have a vision for their life. There's people that have a vision for their life and that could be vision for your life and your business. And then there's people that don't. And he said, I know that sounds simple. He said, but understand the people that don't end up basically working their entire life to help somebody else achieve their vision. And I remember saying to him, well, wait a minute, like, well, what if, you know, what if I'm inside a business and I'm, you know, I'm a, you know, a director in some department or I'm a sales associate or, you know, I'm a VP or whatever. Right. And he said, Tom, listen to me the director, the sales associate, the client services rep, the receptionist, when he or she has a vision for their life, then they are in tune with the work that they have to do, their purpose, why they show up for work every day, and the difference they make, and they're doing it on their terms to achieve their goals, their vision, to experience what they want to experience inside of another entrepreneur's environment. So it was really profound. We spent a lot of time just talking about this, and I I guess at the end of the day, what I would challenge you on is maybe writing up on your bathroom mirror. What's my purpose? Like, why am I really here? Like, you know, what, what is it that you want to create as the mark on this planet, right? What do you want to do? And, and I hope as you hear that, you think of so many positive impacts you can make, whether it is, you know, mentoring a bunch of, you know, underprivileged kids or, helping to you know, raise the collective consciousness of your own neighborhood, maybe just getting your five closest friends to start reading books, right? I mean, there's, there's so many positive things that you can do when you tap into why you're really on this planet, right? We, we, you and I both know this. So the overarching thing is answer that question, get it up on your bathroom mirror, start journaling on it because what he was really saying was have a vision for your life, right? He said, you know, Steve Jobs had a vision for his life. Jack Welch had a vision for his life. Mother Teresa, my goodness, if you read all of the, you know, all of the work and literature that was done in her life, you know, I'll, I'll totally screw up this story and someone will Google it and get the exact version. But, you know, in her biography, she talked about um, that the Catholic Church was, you know, writing her letters and requesting, please, you know, come back to Italy and, and we'll shower you with gold and, you know, robes of silk. And her response was, I can't because I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm on my vision. I'm on my plan, right? It was beautiful. So that was question number one. What's your purpose? Why are you here? Then he said to me, question number two, they all took the time to answer and really understand what are my God-given talents? Now, if, if, it, if it matters to you, you could take the word God out and just say, what are my, you know, what are my talents? Like, what's my superpower? So I remember him saying that and I said, well, can you give me an example? And he said, well, you know, Jobs wasn't the best engineer, but what he understood was design, feel, and he understood what the customer wanted before the customer even wanted it. And he was a master at leading teams and charging teams. And yes, we've all heard the horror stories of how intense he was, but we've also heard the people that just swear by him that worked with him for, you know, years and decades in multiple different companies and say, you know, they would just, they would run through walls to help realize his vision. Jack Welch, same thing. Walt Disney, same thing. Right. So I'd ask you like, what would you do that moves the needle and, you know, moves the needle in your life and your business, your health, your relationships, your income, like that impacts others? right? That impacts others. What do you do that really moves the needle and impacts others and helps you fulfill your purpose, right? So, you know, what are your God-given talents? What do you do that's effortless? What do you do that you could do all day long? That was an easy one for me to answer. I wrote down coach, create, connect, and contribute, C4, right? And, you know, C4 is like that, you know, military putty that explodes. And I thought that was kind of a funny little sort of metaphor for my own brain. But like when I'm doing those four things, it's effortless, right? Having this conversation with you right now, it's effortless, right? I love it, right? Whether there's one person that listens to this or a million people that listens, it doesn't make a difference to me, right? It's my contribution. It's, it's my creativity. It's my coaching, right? It's my connection. What are your God-given talents? But now ready, do they move the needle, Right. Do they impact others and will those God-given talents fulfill your purpose? He said that was the alignment, the first two that, that every one of these people and Tommy he said all the most successful people I've ever worked with, they all had this like, this is why I'm here. This is the vision. This is the mission. This is my purpose. These are my skills. This is what I'm masterful at. This is what I could do all day long, 24 seven and do it and feel fulfilled Key distinction. Do it and feel fulfilled. If I asked you on a side note, what are some of the things you do every single day because you have to do it or because you've always done it? Or, you know, the, the business requires it, but it leaves you completely energy drained. Like you hate doing it. One of the key distinctions that I work on with people is like, look, do your superpower and delegate everything else. Do the stuff that's fulfilling for you right? Like do the stuff that moves the needle, do the stuff that's impactful, do the stuff that when you're done, you look down at your watch and you're literally like, whoa, wait a minute, that was three hours. (laughs) Oh my God. Like time flies, right? What are those skills? If you've been listening to me a while, you know, like I talk about like running plays that work versus doing dumb shit, right? Like if you can operationalize your life and your business around running plays that work, that help fulfill your purpose, that ultimately impact others and move the needle emotionally, physically, mentally, financially, spiritually in your relationships, my friend, you're not working anymore. And that, that's not work, right? That is like joy and happiness and impact on steroids. So the first two questions, what's your purpose? Why are you here? The second question, what are your God-given talents? What do you do that moves the needle? What do you do that's impacting for other people and that ultimately fulfills on your purpose? And you and I both know, what do you do? You stop doing the stuff that isn't on that list and you spend more time doing what was on that list. And that's exactly what Mike was saying to me. Then he asked me, I think one of the most important questions for me at that time he said, Tom, they all got very clear on their values and specifically what they value. And I remember looking at him and saying, you know, I came from a divorced family. I feel like I had like two sets of values, sort of my mom's side and then, you know, my dad's side and, you know, no right or wrong in that statement, but, you know, they were yin and yang, very different. Um, You know, so I said, I kind of feel pulled in that area. And he said, and he starts laughing and he said, no, Tom, those are your parents' values what do you value? And I was like, oh, and he's like, I'm asking you to consciously list out the things that matter most to you, you know, truth, integrity, you know, wisdom, friendship, love, connection. And I start listing all these things out and I'm like, yeah, right. And you, success, ambition, like, you know, you could imagine, right. If you, if you actually consciously said, I am a sum total of the, of the sort of experiences that I had, right? The time I had with my parents or maybe in the military or maybe a super impactful uh, mentor or an uncle, an aunt, a, a teacher who really moved the needle and helped shape who you are. He said, Tom, all of that is great, but I'm asking you to decide what do you value knowing what you know now, what truly matters. And, you know, I started writing and writing and writing. And then I said, wait a minute, but tell me why. And he said, it goes back to the first question. You're going to get inundated. You, my friend, listen to this right now. You know this. You get inundated with inputs, right? Call it um, stimulus response, right? Stimulus response. And one of my mentors, which we should do a whole show on, Bill Mitchell, would say to me all the time, right? The, the most successful people on the planet are the ones that take the split second moment to think in between stimulus and response stimulus and response right something happens we react or something happens a request comes in a request for time a request for a meeting an idea something you might want to you know add into your business and and what mike said was You need to stop and reflect and say, how does this fit into my values? Like, is it in alignment with my desires and what I hold to be true and real for me? It was so powerful. He said, Tom, the vast majority of people struggle to make good decisions. And he said, the reason why most people can't make decisions, first of all, they're not clear on where they're going. So they're very easily swayed to go in whatever direction sounds good at the time or the person or situation or circumstances might be pushing them in that direction. He said, but when you know where you're going and you're clear on what you value, things could get thrown at you every single day and you could say no and yes with ease because you know your vision and you know what you stand for. You know what you value. So I hope as you're listening to this, You're thinking it's not just a podcast that may be in the car and, you know, man, I hope you're not like, or I hope you're not on the treadmill running right now because this is uh, specifically designed to be a little more heavier conversation. Like this is where power comes from. This is where freedom comes from. This is where peace of mind comes from. Uh, This is where in the face of adversity and upset and challenge, I can stay calm and peaceful and have a knowing in my life like not take stuff so damn personally or ever take it personally cuz I know why I'm here I know what I'm really good at and I know what I value can you get that like can you can you can you get the the sort of emotional connection of taking the time to answer those 3 and really taking the time to then ingrain it in, which means you operationalize around it, right? It's in your journal. It's on your bathroom mirror. You create a vision board about your vision and your purpose. You start to operationalize around your God-given talents, and you stop doing the stuff that sucks your energy away, but instead it's the stuff that moves the needle, that impacts others, that's in alignment with your purpose. And all of a sudden, you get into that flow state that you hear athletes and rock star salespeople and entrepreneurs and creatives talk about like this, oh my God, like 10 hours just went by. It was magical, right? Didn't even feel like work. That flow stayed, right? And then you take the time to list out the things that value you, that, that you value the most. And if you know the exercise, uh, Tony Robbins did an excellent job. Um, I forget which book this was in or, or which audio program I listened to where he said, the next step is you know, he was in this value conversation, value elicitation specifically, what's important to you about life, success, business, and you list it all out. Then he said, you should do a value ranking, right? Do I value this one or that one? And you move it up the needle, right? You move it up the list. And what you want to do is ultimately value rank all of your values. So you understand what is your number one value, the number one guiding principle that governs your life and number two and number three and number four and number five, all the way down to maybe seven, eight, nine, 10, right? This exercise is so powerful. And yet remember I said to you, right, that your whole life, your whole experience, your memories, your impact on this planet in a shorter long period of time ultimately comes down to the quality of the questions that you ask and your answers. What's your purpose? Why are you here? What are your God-given talents? What do you value? Then he hit me with a question that really helped for me codify number one. He said, Tom, the fourth thing that they all got clear on is, he said, it's 20 years from now, how is the world experiencing you? And I remember when he asked that question, cause you know, we've all heard like, you know, hey, it's five years from now, if it's as good as it could be, you know, what, what would you do? What would you have? What would it look like? But there was just something about the order of the questions that he was giving me, right? Like he was taking me on this journey, right? He couldn't have just started with that one, right? I needed to think about my purpose. I needed to think about my talents and, you know, how do you, how do you optimize that and, and really unleash your, your abilities? And then what do you value? So you make good decisions. So you say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things and, you know, stay the course. Then he said, so then what is the course? It's 20 years from now how is the world going to experience you? And the question just, it, it was almost as if I was given permission to write out exactly how I wanted it to be. Now I had been goal setting my entire adult life from 18 on, I was setting goals and, you know, you know, trained classically, Brian Tracy, my, one of my first coaches, Robert Stover, and, you know, all these amazing, you know, men and women, Teresa Jabour, et cetera, that, that helped, you know, really, um, you know, give me the tools and the resource I need to, to be a goal setting machine. But it was something about the way he said it, it's 20 years from now, how is the world experiencing you? He didn't say to me, what do you have? He didn't say, tell me about the stuff. He said, how is the world experiencing you? And and like, what's the impact you're making? And he just kept looking at me like, like what's gonna be your dent on the planet? And I remember when he said dent on the planet, I was like, wow, Mike, that like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if I, like, I don't know if what I do is that big. And he said, Tom, you can dent the planet by cleaning your room today. You can dent the planet by smiling at a stranger today. You can dent the planet by like, cleaning up your own backyard and front yard and showing everybody else in the neighborhood what it could look like. He said, I'm not saying you're going to change the world. You're going to change your world. And I was like, oh, got it. Like that really connected because I was, I was nervous, right? Like really? Like how's the world experiencing me? I'm like, I don't want to do anything stupid and crazy and horrible because certainly those people get remembered. And it's kind of hard to do something really big and meaningful in my mind that would impact and shape the world. And I, I, I took that on like it was too much. And he calmed me down and said, no, man, it could be something as simple as how do your children experience you 20 years from now? And I was like, oh my goodness, right? My kids would be my, in their 20s. Like that's insane, right? So that question, you deciding 20 years out, your legacy, your impact the relationships, right? The people you're close to, right? Your health, your wealth, right? And your lifestyle. And yeah, how you got there. It was the first time in my life where I got really clear on the kind of man I wanted to be, right? The kind of legacy I wanted, the impact I wanted to make, how I wanted to treat people, how I wanted to leave every person I had met with Right. And it really shaped me. And yeah, of course I wrote, you know, the, Hey, I want to have a business that looks like this. And I want to travel like this. And I want to experience joy and happiness and love with my wife and my children. Like I was writing all that stuff and more, but it was the first time that I actually said, you know, Hey, it's December 31st, you know, 20 years in the future, you know, 2023, right. Would have been the time. Think about that. Cause here we are in 2019 man, that was a long time ago, but it feels like yesterday. There's just simply power, my friend, in deciding how you want it to be. Taking the time to create almost like a roadmap for your life, right? And instead of starting it at here I am, now will I end up there? You actually start at the part of gold and work your way backwards, right? So hey, I've been married now for you know 23 years or whatever the number is and my children are this age or hey, I finally got married or I finally left him or her and found the true love of my life, whatever it is, right? You get to decide how you want it to be. The power though is in taking the time to write it out. He said to me, Tom, every one of these people you're asking about you know, Walt Disney was a visual learner. Everything was up in visual inside Walt's office. Every goal, every dream Walt Disney had, and I actually had it in my last office and I've not reinvented. I'm looking at my producer right now, Rich. I've not reinvented it in this office, but I had it in the last office. It was the secret wall. Remember in the old office where I had the black pipe and drape, right? So, so he said to me, you know, Walt Disney in his office, he said, you'd, you'd come in and, you know, he had this big office and, you know, Walt would be sitting there and behind him was like this, you know, black pipe and drape and he'd hit a button. And if you can imagine it's Disney, right? Vroom, the whole thing opens up like the old cinemas, right? And up there he had every dream, every creative idea, everything he wanted to accomplish, right? He called it Walt's secret wall. I say to people, you need to be doing the same thing with all of the sort of signposts along the way of your 20 year vision. Um, A few days ago, uh, I reread the new 20 year vision that my wife and I put together, which we started in 2015. And I remember just, you know, her and I were together and we were, you know, dreaming about the future we were thinking about like where we wanted our lives to be, and if you know anything about that time in my life, I had a, a scare with cancer, melanoma, and then my wife had breast cancer a year later. so maybe it was just um, it was just more real for us to really take advantage of every moment of life and to not allow these stupid, insignificant moments of a negative post or a negative comment or a deal that falls apart or someone quits, someone leaves, right? All these things that, you know, used to just bother us. And I said, baby, we need to cement like how we want our lives to be. And I went back to these five questions with Mike and we crafted this 20 year vision. Well, just a couple of days ago, it was the weekly recording or reading of the 20 year vision. And now here we are four years into it. And the way we wrote it was, Hey, it's December 31st right? And I forget the exact year, which is hysterical. So I guess it'd be 2035, right? 20 years out from, you know, from 2015. And I said, I started out with Kath and I've been married for 43 years, right? More in love today than we've ever been. More understanding of each other's strengths and weaknesses. Honoring our strengths and supporting our weaknesses, and helping each other through better communication. Like it just, it's all this relationship stuff. Which of course, as I'm reading that to my wife, you can imagine how she feels, right? She feels more love, more certain, knowing that I got her back, right? And then it goes on to say, Michael's 37. 37, right? My son's 20 right now, like 37, you know, and the other one, Stephen is, is 35. And I'm like, and they become so much more than we ever dreamed possible. And then I talk about, you know, their families and their, their relationships and how they are for each other and their friends. I'm talking about the vision for our life. And yes, then it says, and we live here and we do this and we have these functions and we, you know, we have these businesses and I go into all that stuff as well. But when I read it, it gets a little nah, nah, nah for my wife when I get into the business stuff and the other areas where I wanna have impact in my life. What makes her just get so electrified and create such less drama and stress, take such less garbage personally, is when I talk about the family and where we're going and what we're committed to. And then as moments happen, right? Just recently with my son in town from, uh, from SMU where he goes to college, we were talking about a future endeavor, something we want to build together, a new business. And and my wife overheard the conversation. She said, Honey, that's exactly like the 20-year vision. Like that's exactly what you were talking about. I'm like, right. So what comes first? What comes first? Right? The idea or the fact that I've been planting this seed inside of my family, right? Deciding how we wanted it to be. Now I know I'm, I don't want to come across preachy in any way, shape, or form. I hope you get from my heart of heart to you that it's just, it's just easier to make good decisions. It's just easier to take less things personally. Um, it's just easier to see beyond you know, the day-to-day grind over to the horizon where you're going, right? When you have a clear plan, when you've answered that question, it's 20 years from now, how is the world experiencing you? So I challenge you, to really decide 20 years out, your legacy, your impact, your lifestyle, your relationships, your health, your wealth, and ultimately how you got there, right? The signposts along the way. And even if it isn't totally crystal clear the first time you draft it, don't worry about it. I modify and tweak mine all the time. I keep making it better and more clear. So I see these signposts of, hey, Michael said he wants to do something with us. Hey, we invested in that company and it worked. Hey, we operationalized around this and it's happening. Hey, we started our charitable trust and now we're giving back and we're doing all these things that we said we were gonna do in 2035. And you know what happens? Just like all those people that Mike Vance was working with, they start living into their future, not into somebody else's noise or the rat race. So then he wraps it up with the last question. Hey, it's Tom. Go to Apple Podcast and write a review. It means the world to me. Thanks in advance. Now let's get back to the show. He said, Tom, after you've taken the time to answer all these, he said, he said, have you ever heard sort of the how most people think about success, this model? And I said, I'm not sure what you mean. Tell me. And he said, Do you have B. And I was like, no, explain. He said, See, see, most people are told, go to school get good grades. You'll get into a good college. You'll get into a good job. And then one day you'll start doing the things that really move the needle in your life, right? A relationship and work and making money. And he said, if you do all these things enough, you do, you do, you do, you do, you do. Then one day, You can have stuff. You can have a new car. You can have a family. You can have a nice house. And you could have all these things that everybody wants. And he said, and then, Tom, when you have all that stuff, then you could be happy. You could be content. You could be fulfilled. You could be grateful. And I looked at him. I said, Mike, that's all a bunch of bullshit. He said, I know, but that's what the world has been espousing to people, that you got to do a lot to have a lot to one day be happy. He said, the people that I'm talking about, the people that you want to know in depth about, they flipped it. See, they all decided who they wanted to be first, who they wanted to be first. So then the do becomes automatic. You see, if I know my purpose and I understand my God-given talents and I know what I value and I know where I'm going in the next 20 years, who would I be if I was already there? That was the question he asked. Who would you be if you were already there? And I was like, wow. I said, who would I be if I was already there? And I wrote down happy, satisfied, abundant, joyful, contributing, giving back, sharing, pushing people forward. I remember just listing out all these things. Like He's like, Tom, those are your being choices. And he said, so here's the deal. You can either wait and try and correct it when you get there, or you can align naturally and start being that person today. And I said, Mike, I've heard this before. Like another one of my mentors, Stuart Wilde, used to say, um, with his you know sort of uh, hysterical Sicilian uh, London accent, you know, and I'm not even going to attempt to do it, but he would say. You know, if you're if you're at low levels of energy financially or in your life or your perspective, he said, you know, go into the hotel La Dida in your town and don't spend any money. Just get like a cup of coffee, but just hang out with people that are in that vibe. Hang out with the people that can afford to stay in the hotel La Dida and and have you know beautiful lunches and champagne. He said, just be in that experience. And you will begin to pick up on the energy and who these people are and that they're no different from you. They just made some different choices and the way that they hold themselves and carry themselves. And so, so as Mike was saying, and I'm like, I had a point of reference. Like, yeah, like I remember like, you know, going and looking at houses when I was young, houses I couldn't afford. But like I'd put on a suit and I'd show up to the agent, of course, knew I was like 12 and probably couldn't afford to buy the house, but they'd show it to me anyway. And I would visualize myself in those homes. So it was the same thing. But in this case, it wasn't about the home, the car, the staying in the la da hotel. It was about who will you be when you're there? And let's try and be that person now. Now, if you know me long enough to know, I'm a huge proponent of self-talk. That you know what you say to yourself matters and how you talk to yourself matters. And if you can create an emotional connection around not what I would call affirmations, but affirm actions where you're affirming the actions and the choices that you make in your life and you really get them energized, you can actually begin to ingrain these being choices. So I remember listing out all these choices of who I wanted to be, like no different from the values where I was able to shape this is what truly matters to me. Now I'm saying, this is who I need to be to be in alignment with this. This is who I need to be to be in alignment with this. And of course, Mike being Mike immediately flipped it on me and said, before you do, he said, let me give you a little assignment. He said, I'd like you to think about the, the three women that impacted your life the most and the three men that impacted your life the most. He said, they could be alive or dead. He said, it could have been a book that you read. It could have been a teacher, a parent, an uncle, an aunt, a friend, a neighbor, whoever it was. And I remember writing down, you know, my biological mom, my stepmom Pua, and a woman named Mary Hardesty, who was a real estate agent who took me in when I was like 17 and got kicked out of my parents' house. And she was just super loving and warm and generous. And I thought about my grandmother, Liz Wesley, who was an amazing real estate agent way back in the day, uh, Huntington Beach, California. I thought about my dad. I thought about Bill Mitchell, just all these people, right? And he said, just, I want you just to just connect emotionally to those people. And then I want you to list out the 10 qualities that sort of personify them. And he said, you know, two or three will be strong with one and two or three will be strong with another and that kind of thing. He said, but just list them all out. So I listed out all those qualities and it was very easy when i was reflecting on you know men and women that had made you know a profound impact on my life like who are they what are they all about right what do they value how do they operate how do they carry themselves and i listed it all out and he turned to me and he said tom what you see in them you are what you see in them it's a reflection of you he said you're noticing your greatness inside all of them. It's what naturally attracts you to them because you know you've got it in you. And he said, now our job is to tap into it. And he said, the easiest thing you can do is just write I am in front of every one of those words. And again, I know some people are like, oh, affirmations, rah, rah, rah. And I say, well, by the way, that's an affirmation just like my back hurts is an affirmation, just like I attract you know, a billion dollars a month is an affirmation, right? Like At the end of the day, what you say to yourself matters. So I listed them all out and that became part of my daily ritual of just affirming over and over again, those being choices, reading and looking at my 20 year vision, cementing the values of how I was going to decide. No different from every business that is thriving has a set of values in a company that they say, this is how we govern. This is how we decide. Is this right for us? Is this right for our team? Is this right for our employees? Is this right for our shareholders? Right. And then staying in my lane on where I my talents can have the most impact and helping ultimately achieve my purpose. So I shared all this with you with the hopes that maybe, maybe just maybe, you're like I was at in 2003, Maybe you're not, I hope not. But if you are, if you've been in that place where you just felt like you've been grinding and grinding and grinding and finding yourself saying, okay, I'm, I guess I'm successful, but I'm just not feeling it. I'm not feeling the joy, the love, the passion, right? When Mike said to me, who would you be? Like the top four or five answers for me were happy, grateful, in a state of joy, right? Feeling good, like it was so obvious to me that I needed to make that a priority and that I was following the old model of do, have, be. Like if I worked hard enough and I collected enough shit, then one day I'm supposed to feel satisfied and happy. And it wasn't happening for me, my friend. It absolutely was not happening for me. I needed a conscious shift. I needed a shift around who would I be if I was already there. And then as I mentioned, the doing became automatic and guess what, the have, whew, the have just keeps having along, right? Because we all know the more problems you solve for others, the more income you create, right? And, and the having shows up in different ways. It's not just monetary. It's not just stuff. It's memories, right? Being the right person, doing the right thing, adding more memories every day, every week, wins, etc. little ones, big ones, all this stuff under the sun, which at the end of the day, it's just making up the dash of my life. Do you know the poem, The Dash? If you haven't read it, you should Google it. The Dash is basically a poem about the dash between the day you were born and the day you die. And it's just a beautiful piece of work, unfortunately read usually during a very sad moment. But when you begin to realize that your life is that dash, hey, born 1970, you know, passed away on X day, you know, decades later, right? When you see that dash, it makes you think, yeah, that's my life. How many really great memories do I want? How many great experiences do I want? How many people do I want to have served in my life? How many people do I want to have touched in my life where they may reflect back in their dash and say, thank God I met her. Thank God I met him. Boy, yes, he was a salesperson who sold me something, but it transformed my life. Or it was a person that introduced me to a business or an idea or a friend or a new set of distinctions and ideas and it completely transformed my life. How much of that do you want? And yes, the vacations and the fun and the family. It's the whole enchilada, my friends. So I hope you got some value out of this conversation. I wanted to share all this stuff. I only have a couple pieces of paper in front of me, but my producer has in front of him a whole bunch of questions. So Rich, what's on your mind? So my producer, Rich, has said, Tom, you know, I've been around you for a while. I understand the way you think. I've, you know, sat behind the camera for countless hours filming stuff. And so, so the question is, is there a warning that you would offer to the listener? And I guess I would say yes. Um, and it would really come down to what is your arc of perspective? You see, if your perspective is coming from a fixed mindset, coming from a place of lack and doubt and limitation and stuck in the past and worried about what everybody else thinks, these questions are very confronting, right? These these questions are basically, I'm, I'm sort of, punching you in the heart in a loving way and saying, this is your life. You have to be responsible. If you don't wanna answer the questions and you wanna blame everybody else, you're done before you start. But if your heart is open and your mind is open and you realize, you realize like really in your heart and in your head that there's just so much more in you, then these questions will tap into that. And again, I wanna stress to you, I didn't just sit there with Mike, answer all the questions, nor did I get on the airplane and fly back from Miami to LA and cement it all. It took me 18 months. It took me 18 months of, you know, journaling on it a little bit here and a little bit there and reflecting on it and answering the questions and going back and relooking at the values. So, so like everything else in life that's worthwhile, it's going to require some time and some work on your part. So You know, if you're in a weird state right now, if you're dealing with a tragedy or something that was really bad for you, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, anything, a divorce, an end, something that really rocked your world, these could be the most important questions you could ever ask. The question is, is is it the right timing, right? Do you need to heal first, get through the anger, get through the emotion, and then start making those big decisions, which is sort of following that natural path. So I hope I'm finding you at the other end of that where you're deciding how you want it to be, or I hope I'm finding you just in a wide open place. Like, man, I just clicked on this podcast randomly. I heard about this, got referred by a friend, or you're a long time listener and someone I get to see all the time. And you were just ready to have a, a coaching moment to really tap into your greatness because that's really what these five questions are about. Remember how it all started. What does Mike Vance, Steve Jobs, Mother Teresa, Walt Disney, right? Jack, what do they all have in common? They'd all answer these questions and they live by it every single day. Now, notice if I would have asked, Hey, Mike, there's 7.2 billion people on the planet. How do they operate? How do you think he would have answered that question? I don't think he would have said they took the time to answer all these questions and design how they wanted their life to be. For Mother Teresa, you know, helping people. In the passing of their life in Calcutta to Steve Jobs, completely changing the landscape of our planet with all things, iPhone, laptops, and everything else, right? Both were on their path. Both had answer all had answered the questions. So I hope you're in a good state as you're listening to this, because it'll absolutely impact uh, your decisions, your choices, and even your ability just to answer it. Like If you find yourselves going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, shut up, right? If you did know, maybe stand up, get your arms in the air, maybe jump on a trampoline, maybe go for a run, maybe like take off all your clothes, look in the mirror and say, That's what it is. That's my life. That's the direction I've taken myself. Now, how do I want it to be? How do I want it to be? If I could get in control, what would I do? If I could answer the question, how would I answer? It's all a conversation, my friend, and the choice is yours. So, Rich just asked me a really great question, kind of piggybacking this whole conversation. He said, You know, we're all, we're all getting all these external factors. So if I'm thinking about answering these five questions, if, if the five people I spend the most time with aren't answering the questions or aren't willing to answer the questions, is that going to impact me? And the answer is 1,000% yes. Now, I'm not as naive as I was when I was young. I remember being um, 19 years old and literally being told by a mentor of mine that you have three kinds of people on the planet, people that support you, people that are neutral and people that are negative. And he said, I want you to make up a list of every person you spend time with and categorize them. That was a rough deal. Cause I had some family members that were on the neutral list and a few on the negative list. And I only had a very small few number of people that were on the positive list. And I said, okay, now that I've done it, what do I do? And he said, you want to nurture and love on and do everything you can to support the people that are on your positive list. Give them your energy, give them your attention. The people that are on your neutral list, I forget what he said, but I swear I called somebody and said, you know, you're neutral in my life. What can we do about that? And uh, it was a family member and it was awkward. But the point was, look, we are a sum total of the people we spend our time with right? We've all heard it's, it's cliche. Your income's in direct correlation, your health and vitality's in the, you know, if, you, if you're a married couple and you spend a ton of time with other really successful married couples, it does give you a framework for how to be in a great relationship. So I really ask you to consider, you got all these outside factors. If you're in the situation where maybe your peer group Right, isn't the best peer group and no judgment of them. This isn't you being righteous and saying I'm better than them or you know, look, they're on their path. Honor that. They're on their path. Just like I look at my children, everyone, everyone that works with us, all my clients, you're all on your path. I'm just trying to give you a leg up, push you, give you the encouragement to achieve your goals and dreams, right? So if you're hanging out with a bunch of people that are not willing to answer these questions, it's not the end of the day. Don't let that be a deterrent, or a deterrent uh, and stop you from moving forward. Instead, go to your quiet place, go to the beach, go to the mountains, go down the street, go for a ride on a motorcycle, wherever you go to find sanctuary and take the time to answer the questions. And you know what? You go back and you share it with the people that you're closest to and you say, hey, this is kind of what I'm working on some will be totally inspired by it. Some will think you're absolutely bananas. And the answer is cool either way. Remember the most successful people on the planet, they, they have a tremendous capacity to care for others, but they don't give a shit about the good opinions of other people. It's a really strange thing. Like I have an enormous capacity to care, right? I will care my face off but if you make a negative comment about me, it's not the end of the world. Like, it, I don't care if you, you know, if you decide not to do business with me or you say something dry, I don't care, right? Because remember, I know where I'm going. I know what my vision is. I know what I value, right? It's very simple. So take the time, answer the questions, regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in. I don't care if you are like the second, you know what I actually say? The second thing I would tell you is I spend a tremendous amount of my time basically, Connecting with through book or audio or events, people that have done what it is that I want to do, right? And I don't mean just, you know, professionally, you know, relationships, spiritual health, studying the brain, studying, you know, wealth and wealth creation. Like if you, if you become that kind of learner, that no matter your circumstance, no matter where you find yourself in the world right now in this moment, you know, there's this great site called YouTube. You can tap into Everything you could possibly want to know. Every mentor. Type in "thinking grow rich." I think the entire audiobook and video is there. You can watch Napoleon Hill in black and white. Say, "How do you do?" It's so nice to meet you. And taking you through, you know, the original twelve chapters. My point is, you're so blessed that you can tap into all this stuff. You just got to decide and do it, right? Uh, we I interviewed Jim Quick recently, the brain coach, and he said you got to go from your heart or your head to your heart to your hands right? You got to think it, you got to feel it in your heart and you got to get to work with your hands. So don't allow your family, your friends, the circumstances of today to be like anything other than the catalyst for the change that you want. Anything other than the growth opportunity, because you know what? They love you. They're just doing their thing. They may not want to answer these questions. They may not want to create this level of certainty. As, uh, as a few of my mentors would say, hey, the world needs people like that too, right? You're just deciding not to be one of them. You're deciding to become a very, very, very small percentage of this planet that perhaps against all odds decides how they want it to be and then operationalizes their life around it. That doesn't mean it's all going to be rosy, my friend right? Everything worthwhile takes time and you're going to get punched in the face and things are going to go wrong. But the difference is when you've got that 20 year perspective, when you know why you're on this planet and what you value, you understand that those are just roadblocks, like right? little hiccups, speed bumps, right? They're not a catastrophe. It's not the end of the world. You didn't get stabbed in the back by someone. No, you had an an expectation and you keep moving forward because you're on your journey. You're on your vision. Does that make sense? And it doesn't matter if the people around you support you or not, you're still going to keep going for it because that's what extraordinary people do. And my friend, if you've listened this long, that is the esteem I hold you in. So I wish you well, keep moving forward, answer the five questions, and be the kind of human being that separates himself from the pack. And I don't mean that in a competitive way. I mean, you just become that person that 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years from now, everyone's saying, Do you remember her? There was just something about her. She was so calm. She was so comfortable in her own skin. Like she always knew where she was going. And when she didn't have the answer, she leaned in and asked a lot of questions. And she, you know, like was always seeking out mentors and coaches and, you know, managers and leaders and other smart people like, man, like that's how I want to be when I grow up. Like that's the goal of this. So I hope you really got the message. You take the time to answer the questions. And then the next time I see you or we connect online, maybe share some insight with me because that would mean a lot to me because that's, remember my four, coach, create, connect, and contribute. I'd love to have that connection with you. All right, my friend, thank you so much for listening. And uh, remember always your strategy matters. And now more than ever, your passion And the answer to those questions are what absolutely rule. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again, and talk to you soon.